Hi, this is Cal Quantrill, and you're listening to the East Village Times Podcast. NL West, SD across the chest, youth movement, really dope ex-prospects, Big Willie, leader of the young pups, they hating on us, watching you them jump up, we ain't care, we ain't scared of nobody, the outfield mad skills, lottie dottie, Austin Hedges throwing out everybody, we at the ballpark, every game's a party, ignorance is bliss, so we never trip, if the pitching's up the pod, and watch out for the kids, EVT is out here broadcasting, EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT podcast. Padres EBT podcast. Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me is the sickly Patrick Brewer. What's going on, Patrick? Oh, the sickly Patrick Brewer. That's my, uh, <laughs> that's my call tonight. All right. I'll, I'll roll with it. <laughs> You know, hey, uh, those summer colds can be a, can be a little bit of a uh, obstacle to overcome. So I can understand uh, that you're not feeling well, but I think that the fans uh, of the show are certainly excited and, and happy that you uh, you're a gamer and, and you play through your your injury and you're you're here ready to talk some Padre baseball, right? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> um, Padres have been playing up and down pretty much like they have all season. I think. Uh, once the tank stock, the tank uh, talk starts to really settle in, they they win a couple here and there, and, and uh, they're presently, uh, as we record this, one two in a row. You know, they're uh, what are they eighth, ninth in, in priority for picks, but the, the pick order just kind of fluctuates from day to day. So, you know, it, it's God, it's going to come down to that final home, that final road trip in uh, in in uh, I guess it's uh, L.A. and Arizona. Is that the final road trip? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. It's uh, you know, the Padre Tank Talk is going to be going to be going down to the wire all the way to the last week. I'm sure it's uh, it's something that's going to be beaten to death, right, Patrick? Yeah, I'm honestly really kind of mad that like if they if they win 76 games again, I'm gonna be really pissed because I mean yeah. theoretically they could. I mean they have 12 games left, so if they won nine of 12, which that's not going to happen, but man, yeah. wouldn't it be nice if they fall under 70? Yeah, it would be. Currently, they sit at let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six teams below them, and they're tied with Oakland. So they have the seventh or eighth pick currently. So yeah. realistically, yeah, they, they should be able to get to fifth. Don't don't think they can get any higher than fifth because Detroit's like five games ahead of them. They yeah, can get past Cincinnati yeah. and New York and Oakland and though, but. Philly and San Francisco aren't going to get caught. Chicago's not going to no. get caught. Detroit's probably not going to get caught. So it's looking like top five is our best uh, bet here. Although they did pick Cal Quantrill with the, uh, I believe it was the seventh pick. So there is value to be had if you if you know how to work it right. So yeah, definitely. And I mean, there's teams like Pittsburgh that have lost seven in a row that are sneaking into the the, the tank talk as well. So you have to be aware of <laughs> things like that. There's teams that are still. You know, only a couple games uh, record-wise better than the Padres, like the Braves and the, the Marlins and the Pirates. So, you know, these final 12 games are going to be crucial. And, you know, God, I, you know, I, I, I hate to root for it, but I'd love for this team to finish 2-10 and, and 10 the rest of the way just I mean, to secure it. The only thing I'm really rooting for is in no way do I want the Giants to have the top pick. Like, if Philly could just go by them, that'd be great, or even Chicago. Like yeah, the Giants yeah, have no it, business with the top pick. 
No, not it, it's it, it's looking that way though. They have a, a game and a half lead as we record this. So, yeah, it, it, who, who would have thought? It? I know a lot of people even predicted the Giants as, as a you know wild card team, and, and you know you, that's why they play the games. The Padres were supposed to lose a hundred and, and easily be the worst team in baseball, and here we are fighting for <laughs> a top five pick and begging for them to lose the rest of the way so that we can earn it. It's uh. It's a funny world, but you know the the, the team has played well. Uh, September call-ups have happened. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, Hunter Renfro came back with a bang in his uh, debut, or his I guess his return back to the team uh, with a three-run home run yesterday. Um, your thoughts on the call-ups uh, that were made? Um, well, I'm. I tweeted last night, I'm not really going to get excited about Hunter Renfro because it was a home run against a left-handed pitcher. Um, yeah. This year, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm going to pull them up right now, but he just destroyed left-handed pitchers this year. So his real issue is how to hit right-handers and, more importantly, how to not strike out like 80% of the time and how to actually work walks. So in, until that happens, I'm not really sold on him. Um, I'm kind of just playing a wait-and-see approach. Um I'm not really expecting much from him, but at the same time, it's like if he puts it together and starts uh, hitting a little better, I'm not going to be mad about it, but uh, <laughs> it, yeah. it remains to be seen. Um, yeah, so against left-handers, he has a 184 WRC+, plus, and that's in 114 plate appearances, and then against right-handers, he's at 62. So wow. that says about everything you need to know. <laughs> that he's yeah, really I'm... just destroyed left-handers. I mean, he's he's actually walked 11% of the time, which is a pretty high number for him. Um, he's hit 348. Or sorry, looking at the wrong numbers. Um, he's hit 333, a 420 on base, 667 slug. That's against left-handers. So, yeah, when he faces a left-handed pitcher, I'm not really tuning in too much. If he hits a home run, cool, that's great. Um, we know he can hit left-handed pitchers. We know he could be a great platoon player, but we don't want him to be a platoon player. He needs to be an everyday player. That's the kind of guy they expect. So until he figures out how to pull up that uh, sub-100 WRC plus against right-handed right-handers, I'm not really going to get too excited about anything he does. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Considering that the league's predominantly right-handed, I, this uh, he needs to pick up those numbers. Not um, a great skill. Um, anyway. No. No. On top of that, let's let's see who else got called up. We have Rocky Gale, as if they needed more catchers. Uh, Travis Jankowski, as if they needed more mediocre outfielders. Sorry, I'm being kind of mean today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Jankowski, uh, I mean, this is kind of make or break for him. I mean, with Perel out, he's probably going to get some pretty significant playing time here the last two weeks. And if he can't show something, it, it's hard to see him even having a roster spot next year, even, even for a rebuilding team, because he was just so bad at the beginning of the year. And it, I think his... His shtick has kind of worn thin a little bit, especially when they have so many outfielders that are just similar players. And you look at Franchi Cordero, who's for some reason missing from all this. He, he wasn't called up. Yes, yes. Um, for some reason. Who knows what, what that's about. But maybe they just didn't think they could get playing time for all these guys. But um, with a guy like Cordero, he's pretty much a younger, better version of Jankowski. I mean, he's got a bigger strikeout problem, but he hits for contact. He hits for more power than Jankowski. He's got speed. He's got just as good of a glove, if not a better glove. So at this point, you got to just think, where does Jankowski really fit in long-term? And I was always a big Jankowski fan. I was always rooting for him. But at this point, I don't know if he has a place on the team unless he really 
has a great next uh, two weeks here. So really remains to be seen, but I'm not really counting too much on that. Uh, as for the other call-ups, we had, let's see, Tim Melville. Um, I, for one, am super excited about Tim Melville. <laughs> Sorry, I, I couldn't even say that with a straight face. Um, who else did they call up? Uh, oh, Christian, my number one, my number one Christian Villanueva. I've been rooting for him all yeah. year. Um, I don't know. He's just kind of a feel-good story. He's been in the minor leagues for, what, like almost 10 years. He's just really been grinding mm-hmm. and... I just want to see him get a chance, and it's good to see him finally getting a chance. I hope he gets some playing time. I know he, he started last night. I don't think he's in the lineup tonight. If I remember, I wasn't watching the game, but I do no, not think not. he is. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. Um, I think, like I said, he deserves a chance, if anything. I mean, he's he's grinded away all year in uh, AAA. He did pretty well. Um, showed what he can do, and, and I'm rooting for the guy. I mean, he's, what, like 25, getting his first taste of big league action. So um, hoping, hoping he can do well the last two weeks, but we'll have to see how much playing time he gets. Um, maybe next year he can play himself into some more uh, playing time. It really depends on yeah. how the infield shakes out. They have so many infielders, as we've talked about, ad nauseum, Salarte, Spangenberg, Aswahe, uh, on and on. Schimpf's even still, well, I guess he's not in AAA anymore because the season's over, but... He's still hanging around. Um, other roster news, Dusty Coleman and Jose Valdez were both de- designated for assignment. Not really surprising. Valdez was pretty terrible in the, in the big leagues. Coleman was kind of a guy that I think was generally liked, but he wasn't really the answer long-term at shortstop, and there's there's younger guys. So not really too surprised either of those moves. I think both guys will probably still end up being on the team in the offseason unless they outright release him, which I don't see why they would. But mm-hmm. it's clear they, they need the, they need the uh, roster space, so that's why those moves were made. Um, other than that, nothing too surprising. Uh, hoping, I'm hoping Renfro and Jankowski, this is their chance to prove themselves, and they're really playing for a spot next year. I mean, spring training is usually when that happens as well, but they're both playing for that. Same probably for Christian Villanueva if he can show something. Um, Rocky Gales, I think he's kind of a career minor leaguer. I don't think he ever really gets back to the big leagues in a, in a real capacity. But um, other than that, yeah, it's good good to see some more guys, some new guys. Um, you kind of get sick of seeing the same players over and over again at, at times. So it's nice to see some fresh blood. Yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, Franchi Cordero is, is the big mystery here, the why he wasn't called up. Um, you know, I, I understand they want to give some playing time to Jankowski, and as, as you alluded to, it's probably his last opportunity to show what he has. And maybe they thought that, you know, Cordero would take away from that. But, you know, I, I don't know. It's a mystery. You know, he performed well. He's already on the 40-man roster. I just, you know, I don't know if something personal is going on. Maybe he's getting married in the Dominican Republic. You know, I don't I don't know. There's could be something going on. Uh, yeah, who knows? But I think that his uh, omission from this roster is, is a little bit uh, surprising. It might be just so they know what they have in him at this point. I mean, he kind of yeah, exactly. proved himself a little bit in AAA after struggling in the big leagues. And with Renfro and Jankowski, I think they don't really as much know what they have. I mean, Renfro, oh. you hope – I think he's a bigger priority than Cordero in the fact that they wanted to get playing time and see really what they have. And then Jankowski, I think it's more of like, can we trade this guy? Are we going to release him this offseason? Like, what's our play here? Like, does he have a spot in this roster? Um, kind of what's the plan? Um I think it's more critical that they figure that out than maybe figure out if Franchi Cordero is going to be a big leaguer now or next year. I mean, Franchi Cordero is, what, 23? So there's really no rush there. I think with Jankowski and Renfro, they're getting a little older, and it's like they got to they got to show it, you know. they got to prove it. Otherwise, they're not, they're not going to be in town much longer. So yeah, I think it's yeah. fair to, to, to really – 
give him that chance. Um, no, and, and, and you know, Cordero ended his season in AAA with really good numbers, so perhaps they want to just, you know, let him end on that note and he'll uh, probably for this be playing productive in, He'll season. probably be playing in, like, some Dominican league or something. So Yeah, exactly. He'll be playing sure he'll this be ball. in some, some capacity, I'm sure. Exactly. Um, uh, I wanted so, to, you know, go ahead, go ahead. I actually wanted to bounce back our conversation. We talked a little bit about the Potters, how they've overachieved this year. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to actually talk about that. I thought it was interesting. Um, I was looking at the uh, Fangraph standings. Uh, the Potters are obviously at 67 and 83. Um, they have the worst run differential in all of baseball, at minus 180, uh, wow. which is a whole 34 runs worse than the Giants, who are the worst team. And somehow the Potters have nine more victories than the Giants and uh, ten less losses. So no team, according to uh, Pythagorean win losses, which – basically uses i think just runs against and runs scored and run differential to determine kind of where a team should be at per se um mm-hmm. based on based on their run output and the potters have actually won 11 more games than they should have by that output so according to just strictly how many runs they've scored how many runs they've given up they should be a 56 win team and which would clearly be the worst in baseball by a good four games over the Giants. So it's pretty astounding yeah. that they've won 11 more games than they were, I guess you could say, supposed to. Um, so I thought that was pretty surprising, and I'm well, trying in my head to figure out... Yeah, what, what do you think the determining factors were that you know made up those 11 wins? Is yeah, that just, that's, that's what I'm trying to figure out. It's like, is it Andy Green? Is it yeah, is these, it kids, the, these kids the, playing for their jobs? They're just playing yeah. above their heads. But at the same time, it's like... The runs, the runs differential, the run differential doesn't lie. I mean, I guess they they yeah. lost a lot of blowout games, which maybe that skews it a bit. No, yeah, I was gonna say the last two weeks they've taken some well, what, yeah, sixteen were, nothing, actually, fourteen nothing games. I and... looked at this a few weeks ago, and they were actually, I think, second or third. Um, but yeah, recently they've they've lost a couple blowouts, so that kind of pushed them to last. But it's uh-huh, kind of surprising uh-huh. that they've had this bad run differential and they're still winning games. I mean. Maybe it's partly because they're losing a lot of big games, and then they're they're winning, I guess, closer games. But I feel like you have to at least attribute some of that to Andy Green. I think he's done a good job. Um, it's really hard to measure a good manager and what makes a good manager, but I think you can't really argue that he's done a pretty good job considering how bad this team was supposed to be and, and where they currently sit. Um, uh-huh. I think you can credit him at least somewhat, don't you think? Yeah, no, it definitely. I mean... The, num- the numbers prove it. I mean, we all knew what coming into the season, what this team was going to look like on paper, and I think that he's obviously gotten the most out of the players that he has. I'm mean, sure there's been players here and there that haven't produced like we expected, but you know, that's it's the nature of the the beast. It's it's Major League Baseball. That's just how it is. But uh, you know, the production from Hedges, the production from Margot, the Aswahi coming in here. I, I mean, Jose Perella. I mean, it's just. There's been some bright spots to the season, and you have to point your finger somewhere. And I think that Andy Green is, is definitely a, a determining factor in, in the progression of, of a lot of these young kids. Yeah, I think there's – I'm I've always been skeptical of how much managers actually impact a game. I know Andy Green has his critics. Um, he's made some mistakes. He's still kind of learning on the job, as many of these players are. But I think you have to credit at least some of this to him. I mean, he's done a good job. He's obviously relating to players. They obviously like playing for him. They're fighting for him. Um, as much of a cliche as that is, I think it really mm-hmm. matters that these guys feel like he has their back and he supports them and he is always looking for ways for each player to improve um, their stock. So I think it's it's definitely important to see that and that they really enjoy playing for him. And it seems to be paying off. I mean, they've won 11 more games than maybe they were supposed to just based on 
run differentials. I think that's something yeah. that's noteworthy, at least. Yeah, no, and, and I'm looking kind of into the numbers a little bit and see that uh, the team's 18-18 in, in one-run one run games, which is kind of, I mean, obviously that's average. I mean, that's 500, but, uh, you know, it, it's there's really no no huge huge factors or huge thing that stands out for me as far as why they overachieved. I think that you do have to point your finger uh, towards Green and, and the fact that he has gotten the most out of this roster. And, and, you know, credit is where credit's due. And, and, you know, the young manager has definitely, you know, done his job. It's it's exciting to see what he's going to do with the next uh, wave of talent, the Cal Quantrills, the Luke Casey's, the the Tatises when when they come up and, and how they're going to respond to playing for him. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see once those guys come to town um, how he actually can manage with a talented team because arguably this isn't a very talented team. So yes, it's going to be interesting yes. to see once he actually has more talented players. Um, yes. So moving on from that, uh, we, I wanted to kind of run down our opening day roster for next year kind of where we see the lineup shaking out uh the rotation that sort of thing um cause it's getting to be that time of the year where we're looking towards 2018 and what's gonna what's gonna happen um i know i know we want to talk about jose perella who's probably gonna miss the rest of the year right with that injury um, yeah i mean it's looking like that so yeah um, he's out um kind of let's start there what's his future is he going to be the starting left fielder next year kind of what are your thoughts on that yeah, that, it's it, that's a tough one. I mean, he is was arguably the best best position player since his, since he was called up from El Paso, and I think that he's deserving of, of an everyday role. I mean, he proved that he can hit left-handed, right-handed pitching. Uh, defensively, he he suffered initially and left, but progressed enough to be a serviceable outfielder. So. I have to think that at this point he's earned the left field job unless a team is willing to trade for him, and that could could come down to it as well because the, the Padres have depth and the outfield have some youth, and it's it's going to be tough to try to predict this 2018 opening day uh, roster and lineup. To be honest with you, there's just so many different ways that AJ Preller can go in, in, in constructing the, this team. And, you know, not to say that he's going to overhaul in any way, but it's just the fact that he could move any key player here and there and, and really, you know, make a, make a difference. So it's, it'll be interesting. Perella is definitely uh, someone to keep an eye on moving forward. Yeah. You want to, want to hear something fun about Perella? What's up? By uh, Uzi R ultimate zone rating. That's fan graphs, like defensive rating. He's actually wow. been a positive defender in the outfield. He's he's worth four. Wow. He's at four, so that's a positive number. Wow! So pretty surprising. The only position you, you, he's been okay. Compare that to compare that to Renfro. What is Renfro's UZR? Uh, do you really want to know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, the I'll, only the only number he's been negative at was at first base, which is to be expected considering okay. that's not okay. his position. Um, Renfro has been at. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, Renfro's at negative six point four total in the outfield. Wow. And yeah, six point negative six. So that's almost a full win difference between the two. Uh, arguably, yeah. That that yeah. cost the team because yeah, it's about for those who don't know, each point is about a run, and they say about oh. ten runs or so, give or take, um, is considered a win. I guess you could say if oh. we're measuring wins based on defensive output, which is kind of a obviously a tricky science, but. Um, yeah, it, it's a, just a decent, quick and dirty way to look at how much a player's contributed. 
Also by Fangraph's other defensive metric, which is abbreviated DEF, D-E-F, uh, Perel's been exactly zero. So he's not negative, not positive. He's just wow. doing it. And with his offense, that's fine because his offense has been – he's at a 122 WRC plus, I believe. So with that kind of offense, you can be an average defender and be a everyday player who's contributing lots of value. So that's – Okay, let, let me ask see. you this question. Let me ask you this question real quick. <clears throat> um, say the Padres clean house on the infield and move Perella to second base. What kind of value would he have as a second baseman? And, you know, hopefully being that his defense is average, but with the numbers he puts up offensively, what kind of potential player could he be at second base? Uh, let's see. Just doing the quick math, his defense, he's only played 39 innings at second base. He's been slightly positive. So okay. you can't really read too much into um, defensive statistics in such a short sample. I mean, his outfield is is obviously more innings in the hundreds, but it, it's still kind of hard to to measure just based on a small sample. So if mm-hmm. we put Perella at a 122 WRC plus, which is what he was at this year, if you put mm-hmm. him at second base, that would make him the fifth best second baseman in all of baseball. Wow, um, and that and that's you're obviously extrapolating uh, a bit because all these guys have five six hundred plate appearances, and I think Perella yeah, is shy yeah. of four hundred. But if you can keep it up over a full season, yeah, he's going to be one of the best second basemen in baseball. Obviously, that comes with a lot of caveats. Will his defense be there? Um, yeah. Can the base running be there? That sort of thing. But at the end of the day, that's a useful baseball player. And it's even more important than he has versatility because he can play pretty much all the outfield positions. He can play third. He can play second. He can play first. I mean, he doesn't play them all well, per se, but the fact that he can play them at all is is good. And I just looked. His, his base running is actually a slight positive, too, at point two by BSR. Yeah. So he's been a positive base run. He's been worth two war over 300 plate appearances. So if you take that to a full season, this is a, a four war player. So that's a, that's a solidly above average player. That's a guy that's going to um, be important for a team. Um, I think it's, I think it's very realistic that this off season he gets traded. If there's a team that's interested and they get the right price, um, they obviously don't mm-hmm. have to trade him. There's no real, um, yeah. He's not making anything. So thing. exactly. Uh, but I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see, how that plays out. But the rest of the outfit, I think Margot's obviously the center fielder. Um, yes. I would not be surprised if uh, Hunter Renfro and Alex Dickerson end up in a platoon in right. I know Dickerson usually plays left, but maybe probably that would be a... right on certain days. I don't know. I, I think that Dickerson's going to get playing time because he was actually mm-hmm. pretty good before he was uh, hurt this year. So in, in 2016, he was pretty solid. So I wouldn't be surprised if he earns playing time. Um, I think Franchi Cordero ends up being the fifth outfielder in that group. I can't really see where Jankowski fits in. I don't think they're going to carry six outfielders, but especially when um, him, so have, him and Cordero are like the same left. player. So. so you have Perella and left? Oh, yeah, I think Perella's, Perella's got to be the starting left fielder unless okay, they okay, shake up the okay. infield, which okay. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they trade Solarte, but that still leaves Spangenberg and Aswahe in the infield. And then you got a guy like Christian Villanueva, who he's still going to be hanging around too. Maybe he can earn playing time, but unless you trade maybe both of Solarte and Spangenberg, I don't really see Perella moving to the infield. Because I don't think Perel is much of a third baseman. Um, and I think Oswahe has done enough to at least earn himself some playing time next year. I think long-term, Oswahe is probably still a, a utility player on a good team. But for now, I think he can be a starter on a mediocre team. Um, so I guess let's, let's jump to infield. I, I kind of already got there. Um, I have Oswahe at second. Um, I have Spangenberg at third. I'm pretty... I'm not sure they're going to trade Slarte, but I feel like it's... Maybe not a foregone conclusion. I think one of Slarte or Spangenberg is traded. I don't know which one. Uh, Meyer's obviously going to be at first. At shortstop, I really don't care. Bring up Jose Rondon for all I care. I, I really don't. Um, 
outside of that, what do you, what do you think on on the infield? Uh, the infield. Uh, so Speaking you didn't like Solarte, the Solarte just got another RBI. <laughs> you didn't like Solarte at at, uh, at shortstop. I, honestly, if they wanted to roll with Solarte as, as a shortstop for the whole year, I would not even complain. If that, yeah, if that yeah. meant him and Spangenberg and Oswai all play together, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, you know, ultimately, I think we you know we've talked about this before. The, the Padres are just loaded with super utility players. You know, Solarte, Spangenberg, Perella, Oswai. They're all very useful players because they can play multiple positions. But you know, besides Solarte, you know, is one of them really established as a major league uh, quality player day in and day out? Spangenberg looked like that at one point, but he's kind of regressed a little bit. Uh, you know, it, there are a lot of questions in regards to this team moving forward, and, and I, I don't see AJ Preller just standing pat and, and, and kind of letting things develop. I, I see him making a decision relatively soon on, on who he wants if, if he's probably already hasn't made that decision uh, and then shop the rest and, and move move forward. Uh, I would expect the team to, to try to acquire some young pitching, uh, pitching that's either on the cusp of major le- on the major leagues or already establishing himself as, as a major league pitcher. And I, I would expect for him to, you know, get the next wave of, of talent ready to go. Uh, a year from now, players like Luis Urias are, are going to be close to major league ready, and other position players as well. It's 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 an exciting time, and there's a progression being had. And and I I just you know to try to predict the 2018 opening day roster is just it's it's tough with with you know. With exception of Hedges and, and Margot and, and Myers, for the most part, I, those are probably the only three that are locks in, in my eyes. Uh, the other positions, the other players can be easily had or easily traded. I could easily see um, Preller moving on from Renfro, and I, I wrote a piece about that last week. Um, you know, that's not a player that he drafted. That's not a player that he particularly likes or his well, type of player. I think it's important to note that he... Above everyone else, kept Hunter Renfro during that trading spree. He yeah, was the one yeah. guy, along with Hedges, that they didn't move. So I think that's important to note that even if it's not his guy, he obviously has already made that decision that he sees something in him. And mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. think they're ready to give up on Hunter Renfro. I think he'll he'll have a pretty uh, big leash here. Um, here. I'm gonna ask you a, a I'm gonna ask you a couple of trivia questions. But here, here's the first one. Mm-hmm. Do you know who the second worst defender in baseball is? Uh, Matt Kemp. Will Myers. <laughs> oh, and first is Matt Kemp? No, first is Chris Davis. Matt Kemp's actually 15th, so he's actually not too what? bad. Wow. Oh, it's because Matt Kemp moved to left, and he's actually not as bad in left as he is in right. Wow. You know that, Myers, that, so. that, there, it's something about like the way the ball comes off the bat that mm-hmm. I guess left, left field is actually easier than right field simply because of that, how the ball slices so off the bat. So you said Chris Davis was number one? He's yeah, Chris, That's obviously if, no, Chris, as well, Chris right? Davis, the other Chris Davis. The outfielder. The outfielder, outfielder Chris, Chris Davis, yeah. Okay, so Myers is, is by far and away the worst uh, defensive uh, first baseman. I mean, he's then. near Albert Pujols, but Pujols doesn't even play first base anymore, really. And then I think Ryan Healy of Oakland plays first base. He's is there any way to look at those numbers and how if they've staggered up or down? Because I, I, I see him looking better defensively. A, no, I don't think there's – it's like a cumulative number, so I don't think you can really okay, look at like, a okay. progression of that by month. But I mean, to begin the year – I I completely agree. He looked horrendous at first. He I looked like you, how I you thought. you can look at it by month. Let's see. I don't think you can, but 
I've been surprised shown, by Fangraphs before. Some, <laughs> he has shown some. Uh, oh, you can. Some progression. Okay, here. Let's look by month. Okay. Um, okay, I'm in Prove April. Prove my theory right. So in April, Will Myers was a minus three point six. Okay. Okay. Keep note of that. Minus three point six. Oh man, this is gonna load slow. The struggle. You can you can continue to talk if you had something yeah. you wanted to. Throw out. <laughs> well, I mean, I just I I the eye test tells me that he's gotten better, but then again, I could be could be wrong. But I've seen him make plays that are you know beneficial for the team. You know, the way he started this year in April was how I expected him to start last year, and I think that's what's frustrating to most fans is that we saw him as a you know gold glove caliber infielder last year and he's turned into what he is now and it's you know at, at 25 there's no 25 26 there's no excuse for him to be you know below average at first base okay so april he was three point minus 3.6 mm-hmm. may was minus 3.5 june was minus 3.3 uh, right, July was minus two point nine, so I guess you're. I guess it's getting slightly better. My theory. Yeah, that's not really, uh, not really arguing much, but no. <laughs> so two point nine was August or was July. I'm looking at August right now. He was at minus minus three point five, so he had a regression. Oh, boo. your theory just got blown out of the water. And yeah, I'm looking it did. At, I'll look at September right now, although that's obviously incomplete. Yeah, he just um, yeah, he's, blew my he's whole been bad. Out. I think we can at least agree on that. Um, I don't know if no, he's he better had, as an collectively. He's but been bad. He needs to be better to be, have value on this team. Oh, he's at minus two in September, which that's not really oh, saying much wow. considering it's only halfway done. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, either way, Will Myers has been one of the worst defenders in baseball at minus minus eighteen point eight by def. That means he has basically cost the team two wins on defense, which is wow. Absolutely awful for a first baseman because first baseman really shouldn't be doing much. No, yeah, um, they touch think. the ball all the time. I mean, they catch the ball, but that's about it. Other than that, um, shouldn't be happening. Um, his UZR for those who care is at he's got twelve hundred innings. This is weird. Last year he had just shy of thirteen hundred innings. He was at eight uh, UZR. Now he's at minus eight in about the same amount of time. So he's gone a win wow. and a half in the wrong direction for some reason. I don't know why. I don't get it. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But whatever, that's Will Myers. Well, he's healthy, right? Yeah, maybe we should focus good. on the positives. He's, he's, hitting, he's healthy. He's hitting sort of, I guess. Whatever. I mean, yeah. You know, I don't like to look at home runs and RBIs and whatever, but he's got what twenty home it. runs. I mean, that well, twenty home runs is still. I mean, don't do it. It's decent. I mean, not with a one hundred and nine WRC plus. No, I yeah, I know, I know, he's I know. Two forty. 320 yeah, on base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I'm that guy. I, I, try to, I know, I'm trying to sugarcoat it. I'm trying hey, to... Who leads the Potters in uh, Fangraph's war? Uh, Margot? Uh, by batting, I should say. Yes, Margot. Mar- now, who leads okay. in terms of pitchers? Uh, LeMay. I feel like he won't... LeMay, in honor of Jim Callis. I, I like how he said that. Like He's like French. I like that. <laughs> um, it's not, it's not LeMay, although he's pretty close. If he was in a full season, it would be definitely LeMay. It's actually okay. It's actually your favorite player. You can't say his name. Chassin. Jolice Shashin. Shashin. Why do you always say Shashin? Shashin. 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 Okay, who's who's the leader in uh, WRC Plus among Padres? Perella. Yeah, this is a trick question, though. Technically, it's Jose Torres. He's got a 466 what? WRC Plus. Oh, he's had one plate okay. appearance, so that's the joke. Okay, he's one. one. He's one for one, so that's the joke. Craig Stammen's nice. the number two. 
He's got a 248. <laughs> nice. Um, okay, I'm going to give you two players. This is just I just turned to a fun little trivia game. I want to see how well you know this team. Who has a higher WRC plus, Austin Hedges or Eric Ibar? Uh, it's got to be Hedges, right? No. That's oh, so man. See, I thought I'm, I'm thinking the funny is he trying thing to trick is, me, but. Yeah, the funny thing is by war, there's like a, a pretty big gap because Hedges actually plays pretty good defense. Um, yeah, Hedges is at 67, Ibar's at 74. Yeah, Hedges is barely hitting 200. I mean, yeah. I mean, it is. It's, yeah. it's bad. Um, let's see. What else can I tell you? Uh, Hunter Renfro or Corey Spangenberg? For WRC Plus? Yeah. Spangenberg, I would think. Nope. Hunter Renfro is wow. at 93. Spangenberg Jeez. is at 92. Okay. Wow. Jabari Blash or Hunter Renfro? Blash. Nope. Blash wow. is at 90. Hunter Renfro is at 93. Last oh, last one I'll give you. Money. Last one I'll give you. Carlos Oswahe or Manuel Margot? Don't Margot. make it an O for. <laughs> o for Margot. No, it's Oswahe. See there, I'm consistent. I went, I went Oswahe's at 97. Margot's at 95. <laughs> so yeah, you're kind of wow. it's kind of surprising which players are ahead of which players. You think, man? No, it, it yeah because you know you try to base it off of eye test and you know I mean, that's Oswahe's why the eye test the third is the best hitter on the team behind yeah. Carlin Myers. It's pretty crazy. <clears throat> yep. Yep, and yep. I know people want to be, get like obsessed about Margot, and like I love Margot as a player, but at the end of the day, the offense has still been below average. I mean, yeah, he's young, yeah. he's got time to develop, uh, but his on base percentage is just three fifteen. That's not great. Um, it's gonna have to improve, but he's in his first year. He's he's still twenty two. I think that's the amazing thing. This guy's twenty two. Okay. He's playing the big leagues because not a lot of guys well, can say that. Let's so. talk. Let's talk about Margot for a little bit here. Uh, do you see him as a as a as a leadoff hitter? Ultimately, down the line, you know, five years from now, as he establishes himself, do you on see a, him on a winning team? Hitter? On a winning team, or on, and, team. on a productive team, on on either way, on a winning yeah, team, I, or I think, I think on a winning team for sure. Um, okay, you, you see, you think that that he is a ultimately he is a leadoff hitter. Yeah, I think he can he can operate in that role. I, I don't think there's really another spot for him. I think if you have the luxury of having a team that's deep enough where he can bat six or seven, I think that would be great. But I wouldn't say he's bad as a leadoff hitter. I mean, he's got a 117 WRC plus against left-handers. Uh, he's at 87 <laughs> against right-handers, so he's got some struggles against right-handers, but I think he can um, improve that. Um, yeah, I mean, he's still so young, so it's kind of hard to say where what his ultimate ceiling will be, but we see flashes of, of greatness from him, and it's uh, it's exciting for sure. Yeah, I think it's, his monthly numbers are a little weird. I mean, he obviously didn't play much in June and July, but those were his best um, offensive months in May he was an 84 and April he was at 85 in WRC plus uh, June July he was 145 and 124 August he was 86 September October he's and they do it both months he was at 82 so he's been up and down offensive I think the, the, the biggest thing for him I think he just needs to be more, more consistent at the plate if he can be a slightly above average hitter like maybe a, a 110 WRC plus with his defense and base running I think that's still a Probably a four-win player, which at the top of the order, that's that's important to have. Um, the defense will obviously decline over time, but given he's 22, he's got probably a good five or six years before he really starts um, losing his legs. That's about when you see guys maybe slow down a bit once they get to be like late 20s, early 30s. So, considering he started so early his major league career, I think it's that's, that's important for him moving forward, and I think that's going to be critical if he can just 
get his WRC plus up by like 15 points. He's at 94. If he can be at Will Myers level with his defense, he's at 8.7 on, on def. And his, his BSR is at 1, so that's pretty solid. So if he can if he can keep that up with more offense, yeah, I think he's an everyday player at the top of the order and on, on a good team. If you have him at the top and then guys like Fernando Tatis and Luis, maybe I think Luis Arias is a good two-hitter. So if you have... For example, if you had for uh, if you had Margot, um, Urias, Tatis, and Myers one through four, I think that's a pretty that's a pretty scary lineup right there. Um, I, I maybe I wouldn't bat Myers fourth. I guess it depends on how he pans out. But the first three, I, I like that top three for sure. So, um, yeah, lots of uncertainty about this team in the future, but we'll uh, we'll definitely. Uh keep you covered and keep you informed on, on all the, the moves and, and that the brother's going to make. I mean, it's uh, it's just so interesting. Like I say, the, he's got so much uh, value now within the team and within the organization. There's there's so many different ways he can he can move and, and go. So um, we'll have to see. Uh, let's uh, move on to a little bit of the minor leagues. Uh, I know that they have wrapped their season. Uh, we are presently doing a uh, piece on each one of the team, kind of a uh, I don't want to say like an homage to each team, a kind of uh, tribute to you know best players, best uh, pitching. Uh, we already did the DSL Padres, which was kind of tough to cover. There's not really a lot of information about them. Um, Eric did a good job of uh, you know putting something together in that regard. Uh, Patrick did the AZL piece. Uh, give us a little bit of information about the AZL team and, and, and what you learned about the those young pups that are uh, playing in Arizona. Yeah, so the way I set it up was kind of picked a, a pitcher and, and a hitter that were like my player of the year. And since they have two AZL teams, technically, I, I picked a player for each. Um, so I'm pulling up my uh, my piece right now so I can have it in front of me. Um, so for the the players, it was, I think, Estuary Ruiz was the the big one. Um, from when he was traded to when through the end of the year, he was pretty solid. Um, if you throw in his numbers... Uh, with the Royals, their AZL team, it was even better. So there was really no argument to be made about him. Um, that was for the AZL one team. Uh, Mason House is another guy who had a really solid season. Um, I didn't really know too much about him going into draft day. I didn't really have too much information, but he kind of took me by surprise and had a really solid year. I think he ran like a 121 WRC+. Plus. Um, he showed he can play some outfield, good defense, good base running. He plays hard. The kid's an athlete. I mean, he's he's really built. Um, so he, he really opened my eyes a bit. And then I also wanted to get a little bit into like who surprised maybe a little bit, who was disappointing. Um, as for my surprises, I think, uh, Jason Rosario was a big one. Although I, I think there was a lot expected of him because he was kind of a big international signing and he had like the tools and he was a guy to really look forward to watching. But I think he really, he really took me by surprise just because he showed such great play discipline for a guy who's what 17 um yeah he ran a 404 on base percentage he walked 33 times just 36 strikeouts he stole some bases um he showed some pop uh he had a 121 wrc plus he was just all around solid i mean he didn't show too much in-game power i think that's the one thing you really have to look for but i will take uh play discipline over power any day as you guys know i mean i've always been a big fan of louis Sirius, even though he hasn't had power so um another guy was tears ornelas uh kind of in the same mold as Jason Rosario. Although he ended up being a little bit of a different player. He also showed a pretty good on-base percentage, just shy of 400. He showed more pop, though, 11 doubles, 3 triples, 3 home runs. 
Um, he struck out a little more often than Rosario. He's more of a kind of a big, a big power hitter a little bit. Rosario was more of a finesse sort of hitter and did not show as much power. But both guys were impressive to me. Um, I think Jordy Barley was a big disappointment. Um, it, it's really hard to call a 17-year-old a disappointment because he's playing in his first year. But he made 30 errors in the infield. Um, his on-base percentage was below 300. He showed a lot of pop, 11 doubles, 6 triples, 4 homers. Um, but he was striking out too much. Defense wasn't good. Um, All-around offense, not great. Uh, Blake Hunt was a disappointment to me. Um, he he could have been better. He ran a 241, 315, 405 line. Um, a lot of strikeouts. He showed some good pop, though. He's obviously more known for being a great defensive catcher. Um, Luis Camposano, who I also wrote about, is a little bit the opposite. He showed more offensive potential, but he's got a little bit more work to do in the field. Um, Mackenzie Gore, I needed to mention him. He's obviously was, as advertised, 34 strikeouts in 21 innings, just seven walks. Uh, Egai Rosario was a guy I wrote about uh, after struggling in Fort Wayne, which was probably aggressive. He was 17 years old. They put him in Fort Wayne, so... You kind of expect that not to go too well. You'd be surprised if it went really well. Um, yeah. So he he had a 206, 296, 278 slash line uh, in 50 games with Fort Wayne. He moved moved down. Uh, he had a big year at AZL: 12 doubles, seven triples, a home run, 116 WRC plus. Uh, showed pretty good plate discipline. Last guy I talked about was Cole Bellinger. He looked solid. 15 strikeouts in 13 innings. Um, he looks really great. I mean, he's no Col- he's no Cody Bellinger, but maybe he can carve himself out a role, uh, independent yeah. of his uh, older brother. But yeah, it was, it was yeah. a good year for the AZL Padres. A lot of guys to uh, look at. Two guys I didn't mention I read about were Luis Patino and uh, VJ Miller. Both had good years uh, on the mound. Uh, Luis Patino is a guy to probably look forward to next year once he gets up to mm-hmm. uh, Tri City or Fort Wayne. Um, yeah, so a lot a lot of good development. A lot of these guys you'll see in a uh, full season ball next year, either Tri City or Fort Wayne, probably for most of them. Maybe Lake Elsinore for some of them. I know Mackenzie Gore. There's been talk about how fast they're going to move him if he's going to maybe make a few starts in Fort Wayne, or if they're just going to move him to Lake Elsinore quickly. We'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. But it was a good yeah, year. Yeah. And uh, stay no. tuned. Stay tuned for tomorrow because James will be writing about uh, Tri City, which I just mentioned a few times. Yeah, the Tri City report will be up tomorrow. There's a, a lot of uh, a lot of progression in, within that team. Uh, Robbie Podorsky is probably one of the names that sticks out. Uh, uh, 25th rounder out of McNeese State this past year, who's just kind of uh, set the world on fire. I mean, he put up a three. It was a 302 batting average, 375 on base in uh, in um, Tri Cities. Uh, virtually coming out of nowhere, right-handed hitter, good speed. Uh, you know, established himself really well. Uh, Luis Asuncion is another name out of Tri City. Uh, they had some great pitching from uh, Emmanuel Ramirez, Ben Sheckler. Um, the draft picks from this past season uh, arrived in Tri Cities and, and pitched well. Uh, March Vicious, Leisher, and Cunningham all looked good. So there's there's a lot of progression within this team, and, and you know doing this report w- was fun. Uh, Tri Cities didn't make the playoffs, although they finished second in both their division, uh, both their halves uh, in their division, which is kind of um, unreal. But uh, ultimately, the team struck out too much uh, offensively. There was a lot of young players on the team. Um, Justin Lopez uh, made his debut. Uh, Kevin Maylene, uh, you know, the, Luis Almanzar. Uh, a lot of these young kids ha- had a, had trouble putting the ball in play, and uh, ultimately, uh, that was the the story with this team. Uh, they set records uh, with pitching, but the the offense just wasn't on par. Uh, Henry Henry is is Patrick's one of Patrick's favorite players. And uh, he looked well. It looked very well as well in in, in Tri Cities, and he's a name at, at 18 who's uh, 
going to probably be making a, a debut with a, with Fort Wayne next season and, and someone to you know to look forward to. It's a it's an exciting time. We always talk about this Padres farm system, and, and and there's no doubt that this is an exciting time to be a Padre fan. Yeah, speaking of Fort Wayne, I'll have that report up on Friday, and then we'll conclude with the rest of the uh, system next week. So Definitely. something to look forward to there. All right, so let's finish up with our Twitter questions. We got a few good ones I wanted to talk about. Um, we had one on Jose Perella, which we already sort of touched on. Uh, first one we had was about free agent pitching targets. This was from our own Mike, East Village Times writer. Um, so what do you think, James? Any any free agent pitching targets that stand out to you as potential gets? Yeah, you know, at this point, I would think that the team is going to be doing, um, for lack of a better word, some dust, dumpster diving come February and early March and pick up whatever players weren't uh, attractive to other teams. Uh, someone like a, a Sashin or a Richard or... Um, a Cahill like they did this past season. Um, it's kind of early to speculate because there's going to be, you know, players that are released and, and players that are, are, are traded and moved on. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I would think that the team is going to have some, some interest in, in, in resigning uh, both Sashin and Richard, but we'll have to see. You know, I, I don't know. I haven't really taken a, a, a hard look at the, at the free agent list because I, I really don't think they're going to be too active in the free agent market. And you also have to factor that, that uh, you know, they've, they've treated free agents really rough around here. And uh, anyone with any real value is probably going to have to think twice about coming here. They're going to have to pick up players who are looking to build up their, their value, if anything. Yeah. I mean, I think another thing to note is that they already have, pretty much a rotation. I mean, if you look at Lamette, Perdomo, Travis Wood, Matt Strom's probably going to be there. That's already four guys. Yep. If yep. you bring back either Chasin or Richard, there's five. Um, there's a few interesting names I wanted to mention uh, that are supposed to be free agents. Uh, Brett Anderson, Trevor, yeah. Trevor Cahill, former Padre. Yeah. I think he might come back. Um, no. he, obviously was, he obviously was good here. He struggled in Kansas City. Why not sign him again? Andrew Kashner's a free agent. <laughs> Tyson Ross was just released. Um, Ross, I would Ross, I would have interest in at at uh, incentive, his, like, his, I think he's done. His shoulder is is yeah, exactly. And I, you know, but if if you sign him um, for somewhere close to league minimum and, and give him some incentives, then yeah, it's worth a shot. You I know? think um, Alex Cobb I, is a name who really intrigues me. He's thirty. Uh, I think if they sign him to a multi-year contract, that could be interesting. He's a free agent, um, huh? Yeah, Bartolo Colon is probably going to yeah. retire. U Darvish, the big one. No. Um, John Danks, Jorge De La Rosa. A lot of these I'll, guys I'll are take, older. Uh, Scott Feldman, Doug Fister, Jaime Garcia. Yeah. The list goes yeah, on. The, Jeremy Hellickson, Derek Holland, yeah. Ubaldo Jimenez. He's on the board of the tank. Um, <sighs> there's a lot of a lot of older names. Jordan Lyles, who we already have, he's going to be a free agent. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of interesting names here. So anything can happen. But I think they already are pretty much set with a rotation for next year. So anything here would just be um, ancillary pieces. And obviously yeah. Shohei, Shohei Otani is going to be part of that rotation as well. So you got to. Yeah, exactly. That was really hard to say with a straight face. All right. Yeah. Um, Next critter question we got, and then we'll uh, we'll get out of here. Was from Andrew Mazon. Mazon. It was if the season ended today and the Potters were first in the NL West, who would pitch Game One in the playoffs? I think it's got to be like Lamette, right? Yeah, I I would. I would think so. He's. Unless, Perdomo, unless that, if, Perdomo if that, has. If it's a home game, then I guess you'd throw Chassin because he's unhittable (laughs) at home. 
I mean, other than that, it wouldn't be Perdomo, it wouldn't be Wood, no. it wouldn't be Richard. So, I think it would probably be Lamet. I, I think, think Lamet's the obvious choice, right? Yeah, he's the he's the ace number one, or the closest that they have to it as far as dominate. You know, being able to match up one for one with a with a number one on another team, and and you know, his slider is just un, unreal. I mean, the the guy is having a lot of success with just a two pitch effort for the most part, and it's uh, it's, it's it is really nasty, and uh, it's exciting. We'll have to see, but I think Lamet is is definitely the answer there. All right, last last thing I want to ask you. I'm gonna put you on the spot before we get out of here. Yeah, um, I want you to give me a bold prediction for 2018. Uh, Anything. Putting you on the spot here. There will be seven more beer fests and three wine fests, as well, followed by four college nights. And there will be exorbitant <laughs> t- exorbitant ticket prices for all of it. Yeah, there will be no. There will be no, no discounts. No discounts. Okay, can, uh, can I will... rant for a minute? Like how pissed off I was that the Arizona Diamondbacks were basically like giving away tickets in the middle of a playoff race and then the Padres are charging like yeah no you $30 should because it, it's bleeds. yeah like, because they're be giving away tickets yeah There's i no agree reason not to be no one wants to they've come cons- to the games the team sucks it's a great stadium you can you can make the money back just by selling food you have so much good exactly. food so much good beer i mean sell tickets for a dollar and you still make money you still yeah, break even on it they've constructed a theme park so why not just let people in and, and make money off of them it's obscene, and they charge like don't they charge like twenty dollars just to sit in the damn sand and watch the game on a TV? You know, a, a lot of what I've heard in that regard is that if they did that, the season ticket holders would be beside themselves. They would be angry and they would demand uh, a refund uh, to their cost or or whatever. And you that's know, that's fun. something how many, that how many season ticket holders do you think there honestly are at this point? No, there's a couple thousand. There's got to be. Do you think that's enough of a market that's really hurting the rest of it? I mean, at this point. No, and, and if they're demanding their money back, then give them their money back. That's fine. And and not, I don't that. want to sound like a jerk, but like, why would you buy? I, I just don't get the point of buying season tickets at this point. I mean, I don't know. Unless you really like going to baseball games. I mean, maybe it's for me. I don't live really close to the ballpark, so I can't imagine going there every day or 81 times a year. But I don't know. Maybe it's a good buy if you go there enough but i think it just be um, it would make more sense if the just general tickets were cheaper and i understand like sure season ticket holders don't want to be um i guess ripped off i i honestly don't know how much they charge for season tickets so maybe we should get someone on here who um is a so any season ticket holders out there please come on the show we'd love to talk to you um i don't really know how much they charge at this point so maybe i'm not the best person to talk on that but i just don't understand how you can sell 30 or 40 dollar tickets for crappy seats to watch a crappy team and you're you got to pay 20 dollars to commute there and 20 dollars to park and 30 dollars for food it's like am i really gonna if a family of four wants to go to a potter game are they really gonna spend 200 dollars to go to a potter game that's yeah. really what it gets to at the end of the day that's it's it ridiculous. that's it our next our next show wayne partello i've already reached out to you let's 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 talk Let's uh, let's discuss this. I mean, he's been on before, and he has. And, and we I, were and maybe we were overly nice last time, but I think it's time to it's time to we were, ask we and were, answer the hard questions. No, we point. were accused of being overly nice, and 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 I agree, we were. But you know, let's let's talk real. Let's be candid. Let, I think you know, fan, I think fans are generally fed up, and I think it's it's weird to me that, um, for one side of the organization, I mean that the talent acquisition, the general manager, the the that that side of things is so. 
revered by Padres fandom, and yet at the same time, the marketing and ownership side is just so we're so disgusted with them that it's it's weird that we have kind of the best of both worlds and the worst of both worlds at the same time. I mean, it's like I love the team and I hate them at the same time, and that's not a great feeling, especially for a team you want to hopefully be in a World Series within five years. I mean, they really need to turn that around or. Even with a good team, it's going to be hard getting people to the ballpark if their their um, reaction to fans is such disdain and they just don't seem to care what we think or what we want, and that's really sad to me. Yeah, there's there's complete disregard to to what the fans want, and it's obvious and it's painfully obvious. And you know, I, I don't know, I don't know what it's going to take for this team to to realize that. And you know, the history of this team isn't great, but it's still the history of the team. And the fans that have been there through thick and thin still want to revere in it. They still want to cherish it. They still want to learn about it. They still want to love it. Yeah, like, you I don't know, really it, care about, like, the history, personally. Like, if, like, they have old players that I don't really know because I'm young. If, I, if they yeah, want to have them at the game, that's cool. I think that's a good way to engage it, yeah, fans and, and get exactly. more attention. And there's, it's not, there's sure no it's not for everyone, but there's no negative to that, like you said. And, and, it's, no, and it's a way it's of positive. generating income to the team, which they're so obsessed about. Because you can have... You know, I've written about this numerous times. You can have charity events. You can have golf things. You can have cruise events. You can have money to generate income. Padre fans will pay out of their pocket to go play around of golf with Mark Sweeney or whoever. And, and, I, don't you know, about, I don't know about playing with Mark Sweeney. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's so many ways to make money and at the same time cherish the history of this team. And, and it's so neglectful of this team to continually just just disregard the fans. Yeah, I'm just it's it's frustrating, but it's you just, know it's just crap marketing, and they've been they've shown how bad they are at marketing. And it's really not hard. I mean, it's baseball. It's the best city in the world. You have great food. It's a great ballpark. It's probably the best ballpark in baseball. I would say um, it really shouldn't be so hard to attract fans, no matter how bad the team is. You should be able to fill that stadium. Um, yeah, I, I just don't get it. To no. me, to me, it's just apathy, and it, they just don't seem to care about what the fans want. And I think that's really sad, considering how much A.J. Preller really cares about the product in terms of the minor league system and building a winner. And it seems like ownership yes. and marketing just doesn't really care that as long as they see dollar signs. Um, and that's it. They don't that's really the give a shit line. otherwise, which is yep. sad. All right. Well, on that note, uh, we will be back later on this week with Wayne Portello of the Padres. <laughs> maybe we need to get like maybe we need to get like Jagoff on a podcast. I know he has uh, lots of thoughts on this. Jagoff, here's your invitation if you uh, are listening. The, to yeah, us. the conspiracy theory podcast. We should do that one. I'm, I'm down at this point. I mean, it's it's the dog days of September, and this team is pissing me off well, a little bit. With well, we'll have we'll we'll be starved for some content during the off season, so I'm sure we'll hit up. Uh, we'll have we'll explore all angles of Padre. Uh, fandom yeah man we'll uh, hit, hit the conspiracies real hard <laughs> all right well well you know i want to thank you for not passing out you know on the mic and and being able to, to stay awake this whole show because I know, I know you were you know on your deathbed and all i made it i don't i don't know it's like adrenaline i think and now i'm kind of crashing but nice i nice. did it so all right, folks. Well, send us out, Patrick. Uh, we are good to go. Uh, we are hosted on Podbean. You can find us there. Um, you can follow us on there. You'll see all our uh, new content whenever it comes out. Uh, we're also on Apple Podcasts. Um, we're on Stitcher. We're on Podcast Republic. I don't know where else people get podcasts. Google Play, I guess that, that's a that's a big one. But wherever you get podcasts, we'll be there. If we're not there, let me know. I will make it happen. Um, we're on Twitter. Our podcast is at EVT Podcast. If you want to tweet us any feedback or questions, that's probably the best place. 
Yep. Um, we're also on Twitter. You can reach us there too. I'm Patrick Brewer 93. James is EBT underscore J Clark, EBT underscore news. Um, we're very responsive. Um, I haven't been on Twitter as much lately. I'm trying to get back into it again. Need to, to take a break, recharge the batteries. Um, the off season's coming up. Um, I personally have some, some interesting things planned for the off season. I don't want to get too much into details yet, but, uh, I'll be revealing a little bit more on kind of where our plans are for, for yep. EVT for this off season, exactly. but it's definitely a big time. I know people like want to tune out a little bit, watch football nope. and, but we'll, we'll, we'll be, uh, providing daily content on the Padres and, uh, we'll be talking about the Padres. We're going to try to keep up the podcast schedule twice weekly, even during the off season, get some interesting guests as we always do. Um, yeah. So stay tuned for more, uh, good stuff. Yep. Definitely. Even though it's a uh, off season coming up, it won't be an off season here at EVT. We will definitely keep you informed of everything and all things Padre Baseball, uh, even if we have to make up half of it. (laughs) Just just kidding. Uh, Thank you, folks, for joining us. Folks, uh, have a great night. Uh, East Village Times Podcast, signing out. EBT is out here broadcasting. EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT Podcast. Padres EBT Podcast.